here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you want to go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu, and each week I'm going to bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the business of feeling good. So welcome everyone to a brand new episode of the Business of Feeling Good. I'm your host, Jason Liu, and I am extremely excited to interview um, an incredible mentor, uh, someone that I've spent a good amount of time with kind of working through some challenging times, um, James of Portland. And uh, he is, I guess in another life, ran a sports company, a $200 million company. But for the past 25 years, he's really been focused on working with executive teams, CEOs and coaches as um, a consultant performance coach um, to kind of get them through challenging times, but also to help them perform at high levels. Um, he himself uh, has been the, uh, the Superman, uh, has gone out there and nine Ironmans and 40 marathons. Um, my goodness, my friend. And uh, not only that, he's got an amazing family. And I think most importantly, um, has authored uh, two incredible books. I know a workbook that goes along with it, which he'll dive into. But uh, Jim at Partland, thanks for taking the time to be on here. Jason, it is a gift you've given me, my friend. Thank you for the time. Great to see you. And um, I can listen to you talk about me all day, man. So carry on. <laughs> well, I want to kind of dive in straight at kind of the core, at least what I know you most for, which is you've always had this principle around unopened gifts. I know it's the title of one of your books as well. But can you kind of talk a little bit about kind of that idea? Because I think it permeates through all the work that you do. Yeah, man. Listen, happy to do it. From my own journey and my own experience, you know, I've learned over time that the programming we receive as young children can tend to play out over the great game of life. And by programming, I mean the conditioning that comes from moms and dads and aunts and uncles and coaches and teachers and clergy and what have you. And as the large people uh, permeate our world, as well as media and television, even at a young age, our beliefs are conditioned into us by virtue of that experience. Some of it observational, some of it auditory. And in my particular case, uh, I was conditioned to believe uh, that I had nothing to say and that um, perhaps I was uh, not welcomed <laughs> into the family the way others might have been. But long and short of that was having a belief conditioned to me I had nothing to say. Over time, I learned that what I needed to do was to learn the inverse of that that actually what I had wasn't something to say, that there was a voice within me to bring forward and that the uh, purpose of my life was to help people find their voice. And so the gift has been the recognition that somewhere along the line when we're a young child and a young child who wants to be Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or princess uh, or whatever it might be, as we get a little bit older, we don't tend to speak that way. If someone says, hey, what are you doing now? You might say, well, I'm, I'm in princess school. Right? Or I'm, I'm going to be an astronaut. There are a few, but rare. Or I'm going to be a superhero. And somehow the dreams die a little bit, and we get in sort of this competitive game with other people, and sometimes we take on the beliefs and the expectations of others. Uh, my sense is that there's something inside of each of us that's unique, many things inside of us that, you're, that are unique. And while some may look similar in terms of traits or behaviors, 
like a, a snowflake or a fingerprint, we're all different. So my encouragement to people is to recognize what the gift is and then spend as much time as you can giving it away. And I don't mean working for free. <laughs> That's understandable. Um, so when it comes to kind of honing in on one's gifts, um, I'm guessing there was a time where, did you have someone that helped you through that transition? Was there someone that kind of helped you realize that you did have that voice within you? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think in terms of a discovery process, I think we discover for ourselves, but not by ourselves. And I had this story and we all have a story, Jason. All day long, we're telling ourselves stories, right? We write scripts in the morning. We play out those scripts during the day. We write scripts for characters. And we pretty much get the script we write each day as we step on the movie set of our life. I had this understanding or belief based on early conditioning that success was material. That one needed to have houses and cars and bling, I guess. I don't know if we called it bling when <laughs> in my day. Uh, and if one got that, then quote unquote, therefore you are successful. And what I learned was mm, somebody, maybe I bought into the wrong model. Mm -hmm. uh, and in my journey along the way, what would be considered success at a point in time or success mountain by contrast today is maybe success molehill. <laughs> but at the time it seemed like, okay, I'm climbing here. What happened to me was I allowed myself to get into a bit of a mastermind group, a forum of people, this group called Young Presidents Organization, where I had a number of people sitting around a table with me who weren't impressed <laughs> by how I was trying to impress them. They themselves were quite impressive. And what I really learned was, hey, man, you're telling yourself a story. We see something different between what you say and who you really are. And to ask me, what are you afraid of? Or what are you trying to approve? What are you trying to get to? Or put it another way, what are you running from? And it allowed me to stop long enough to have questions put in front of me that I didn't have answers for. And so that led a process for me to realize that, wow, if we could find a safe space to speak, to be vulnerable, to um, look to others that have done some things and not ask for telling me what to do, just understand is tell me how you did it. And if I can learn that from a number of people, maybe there are some models that I could apply to my own life. So it's all about getting feedback, right? Can't bounce things off of yourself. So when you had that kind of feedback from the organization and the community that you were a part of, how did you kind of take a step back? Um, because that is a, at least in my world, it was a very big or very challenging place to be in, to be like, I'm always going, I'm always going up this, this hill right now to take a step back and almost kind of take a detour to find out what was most important for you. Um, was there something that you really focused in on that kind of allowed you to take this detour? Because so many people, myself included, feel this urge and this need to always move the, the income needle or the status needle or the promotions needle um, as we're going. Yeah, it's a great one. So I think wherever we are, wherever your audience is at the moment, right? Where you are is where you are. And if you look at where you are, if I look at where I am, and I look backwards, if someone says, hey, how did you get here? Well, the truth of that is I got here gradually and then suddenly like, oh, man, here I am. And so that I have learned there is no red pill, blue pill. There is no one magic bullet. There's no small box when you open up and the angels come out, right? Most of it for me, and I've seen it in other people, is 
I learn by mistake. And if I ask most people, if we get a chance to speak to folks, and this applies to me, Jason, as much as anybody, and if I ask people, would you agree that perhaps in your life you've learned most often from the setbacks or from your mistakes, have you, do you, would you agree that you learn a lot from your mistakes? Most everybody says to me, yes, and yet we follow ourselves around and realize we're spending all of our time trying not to make mistakes. Right? So there's an incongruence. And look, I, you may have heard me say this, and I say this humbly. Look, I got a PhD in DUMB. I was trying to be something I'm not. So one of the ways I learned was, so believing that I had to have all of these material things to validate myself, to outrun that voice inside of me that said, you're not good enough, which I got at a very young age, I would stand on a stage as the, the business allowed me to, to be in various places of the world. And I'm sort of speaking like that guy, and we've done this, and I've done this, and here's this. And man, I hate to listen to those guys. And I was that guy. And over time, right, gradually and suddenly, I started to shift, maybe accidentally, or let my guard down. And I would talk about difficulties and experiencing loss and going through a divorce. And, and those would begin to get infiltrated into the discussions. And I found, Jason, what was really interesting, where you, you know this, you come off a stage and you're hoping people will appreciate what you have to say. And if somebody doesn't show up, you go, oh, man, I failed. At least that was my story, right? People would approach me and say, man, I'm glad you touched on that. Well, you too. And what I really found over time and continue to get reinforced with, everybody's going through something. And it's really what gets somebody where it is they want to go is the grind. It's the day-to-day actions and behaviors and habits and setbacks and get back up and move forward. It's, it's, there is no magic pill to it, right? And so for those that want to get to where it is they want to get to, I mean, the question would be is, are you clear and do you know why and who is going to help you? And while that can look pretty exciting and glorious, Consider what's on the other side of that. What am I willing to push past? How much am I willing to suffer? How much difficulty am I going to put up with? How much rejection am I prepared for? Because we tend not to look at the other side of the equation, right? When we're setting these goals and aspirations, I certainly didn't, right? And anything that gets in the way is either going to convince me that I've got the strength to push forward, or maybe I wasn't as convinced as I thought I was because it knocked me off balance. You talk a lot on... um really the the relatable part of going through setbacks. And I think that the world right now is going through a pretty massive global setback right now. And a lot of people have had their worlds rocked. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. And you were one of the first individuals I saw consciously go out and want to serve people, Um, really go out and open up your telephone book or your Rolodex and highlight how individuals are going through this process. Would you mind kind of touching on that right now? Because I think it's something that's at the forefront of a lot of our thoughts right now. Yeah, man, I'm happy to do it. And what I've learned or I'm continually reminding of when I get stuck and when there's an obstacle that pops up that I wasn't prepared for, and most obstacles were not prepared for. And I realized that if I get stuck in my head thinking about something, well, that's getting behind enemy lines right? And motion is everything for me. If I keep moving forward, even if I'm struggling, that motion is vital, right? That activity can crush anxiety. I have learned over time that one of the most powerful ways for me to keep moving forward is do something for somebody else. Hmm. Because if I'm doing something for me, that's ego, 
right? In some ways, that's manipulation. If I'm doing it for others, it's to try to influence the greater good. And there's an age-old saying. I don't know who started it. I'll repeat it. I don't know if it's exactly this way. It feels better to give than to receive. And there's a lot of truth to that. And so as I was going through this struggle, like anybody else here recently, and then looking out and then going back to that mechanism of the trigger of, well, what can I do for somebody else? One of the questions I'm getting asked as we do coaching and how the speaking was evolving and, and it was very much a similar pattern. No matter where that person was on the food chain of an organization or as a professional athlete, there's all this uncertainty and fear. So I thought, well, well, perhaps I can help address it. If I can help other people, it'll certainly help me with it. And so I thought, I ought to give what I can give. Because at this point in time, I think that's what people are asking for. Maybe that's what I'm asking for. And then what I've been reminded of, anything I want to bring forward in my life, I have to give it. Because if I can give it, it's most likely going to come back to me. I don't do it for that particular reason, uh, because that would be sort of uh, inauthentic. But I know it all comes back. Right? I just think you throw boomerangs out, and it's providing nobody's nearby and gets hurt the way I throw them, right? it'll come back. Right? I think you can take what you want to have happen and throw it upstream because it will come back to you. So my belief was, you know, I'd love to have be in an environment where someone was providing information and giving me some, some perspective and offering some support. I would like to be part of something like that. Well, then maybe I should do something like that. And what will come out of that will be com- what comes out of it. And I'm already seeing the, the power of new relationships being built and people saying, well, I appreciate the support. And you're feeling the same way too. And what can we do about this? And let's get some ideas moving forward. And, so it, it provides a lot of juice, right? I'm curious where, and I don't know the timelines of this, but I'm curious if going through, I don't know if you had Star Trek at the time, um, track at the time, but was it, did you, would you go through bubble bursting with that company or, you know, are, have there been clues throughout, and these are very different times, obviously we're dealing with not necessarily the recession though. It seems like there's big challenges coming ahead right now. What clues have you taken from the past and how have they translated to what we're currently going through? Yeah, certainly. I've had the experience of going through, you know, the 2008 challenge of the housing crisis, right? 9-11 when that happened. And there were some earlier stock challenges that happened in the market that, that affected the economy. And so there's a cycle, right, that happens, uh, call it recession-wise, that has some predictability to it, even though we don't like that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And yet, probably most importantly, what I've learned in business over time is it's when things are going really well that I should be most uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because when things are going really well, one can take their foot off the gas, the accelerator, read into scenarios that things are better than they are. And that sort of paranoia that I've learned from a guy named Andy Grove, who was part of Intel years back and wrote this book called Only the Paranoid Survives. In reading that was to say, they don't take anything for granted, celebrate the victories, but know that there's somebody out there all the time going to come after your turf. <laughs> and the same token, people say, don't take, take things personally. Look, Jason, my, my view is everything is personal. If you're a person, everything is personal, right? And so it's how I have to insulate and protect myself, right? To fortify myself to play the game. That's a part of the things I've learned. Always be prepared for what I can't be prepared for or always expect the unexpected. And I'm seldom disappointed. (laughs) Surprises show up. Uh, 
I don't know that you ever get used to them, but maybe you have greater muscle memory of how to respond to them. So these two questions kind of combine because you just talked about kind of fortifying oneself. Um, how do you think about this time? And every, everyone's situation is a bit different right now. Um, some people are losing careers. Um, some individuals are trying to keep a organization company afloat. But as you kind of look from the 30,000 foot view, if you've kind of brought these incredible people together, how should we be thinking about using our time right now? Like, how do we kind of fortify and take on the world when there is so much uncertainty? Um, and it's really easy right now to grab for the remote and the Netflix and the chocolate chip cookies um, and, uh, and almost kind of, you know, watch it all pass by or feel sorry for ourselves. Yeah, and look, that would be understandable, right? There's a, a need we all have for degrees of certainty and predictability in our life. And when that goes away, we're knocked off balance. Even if the things we were certain about in the past or were predictable made us grumpy, <laughs> we somehow missed them all of a sudden. Look, I, and I certainly recognize the importance of gratitude. I, I'm a big believer in that. I didn't know that I needed to be grateful be able, to be able to go to the grocery store, right? Uh, look, I dress like a beekeeper <laughs> when I go in there now, right? Uh, and so of the... Um, the various things I look at is I call this as a be better moment. And historically in, in myself and others, when we talk about developing oneself and learning a skill and, and, and leaning into something we want to lean into a natural go default switch is I don't have time. And yet time is the great equalizer, right? If I look at people who've done significant things in their lives, people that I admire, I recognize, look, they get 24 hours, a day, seven days a week, like me, I have to think about what do they think about? How do they allocate their energy? What do they say no to? So many people have time to do some things now. And that's quite frightening because there's not a mental muscle of, well, then look, historically, here's what I've done with all my free time. Because most people don't have a lot of free time, right? We're busy being busy. So in that, whether there is time available to someone who's listening in here today or somebody who wants, if not now, when, right? Tomorrow is not promised. And certainly we know that going through what the world is going through right now. If I look out to January 1st, or I take beyond then, and let's say I step into the shoes of me New Year's Eve, even if I don't want to think that it's going to be that long, but look, you're going to arrive somewhere New Year's Eve. I don't want to look back and say, man, I had the moment I didn't do X. So what I think about is if I take care of two people in my life, only two people, my current self and my future self, if I take care of those two people, then life can be pretty special. Now, many people want to get excited or do get excited around that vision of my future self, stronger, faster, fitter, more money in the bank, great experiences. And most likely we'll start working on him tomorrow, right? But if we get excited about that, or even if you look at how you're going to be coming out of this crisis and it will pass, everything passes, everything is temporary. Who do I want to be? If I go back to where I am today, I have to realize there are certain habits and behaviors and approaches that I need to take day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out to bring me to that person. Everybody on this call or in this conversation got to where they are today, gradually, and then suddenly. <laughs> and if you look backwards, 
it was the actions, the phone calls, the conversations, the workouts made, the workouts missed, the conversations had, the conversations not had. It's cumulative. And mostly, it's, there's a couple of key things between now and where that person, where I want to be six or eight months from now. For me, there are three things. What can I do in the area of health? Am I getting the sleep that every source tells me I need to get? Am I measuring that, right? Let me look at the quality of the nutrition because certainly I want to visit the pantry, right? People talk to me about the COVID-15, like the freshman 15 is going on, right? So I want to be really clear so I can be my best, but I can't give my best unless I'm at my best. And as you can see behind me, I've had to rearrange some furniture to get a fitness room modified, given that my children are now taking over other places in the house. But, you you know, you, you improvise. So I'm working on health. I'm working on relationships, that's part of what you've asked me to is sort of reaching out to the community. And that's one place that I think all of us probably recognize we can go deeper on. If nothing else, the relationship with ourselves, the hardest person to get to know. Right. And the third is a skill set. I know there are, look, there's a list of skills that I could polish up my communication skills, my presentation skills, my listening skills, right. Just to name a few, or it's a language skill. And yet those Goals and aspirations sound terrific, but unless I break them down into small, actionable steps and put them in my calendar, they will never happen. So it's, it's, it's elephant pieces bit by bit. So I'm thinking, of what are the three things I have to get done? What are the three things I will be really thrilled New Year's Eve to say, man, I leaned into it and I took action because ultimately, Jason, of everything you asked me, People would have to see for themselves because people hear what they see. It's nice to hear the words, but if people don't see it in actions, there's an incongruence, right? And for all of us, if someone's following you around with a camera right now and you couldn't use words, people would know what your highest priorities are, what your highest values are, and what's most important to you over a consistent period of time. So what you do is who you become, right? So excellence is a practice. It was I think one of the more challenging areas that when you and I worked together some 10 odd years ago um, (laughs) that made the biggest shift was this idea of working with the end in mind. Um, And yesterday you might want to share if you'd like to around the idea of the moonshot. Um, One of the barriers that made a really big difference for me was kind of taking big, big ideas and working my way backwards from them. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that still the practice? Is that still not that I'm looking for a sexier answer here, but you know, is, is that still the, the answer, which is Sunday night, you're in the journal, you're in the, you know, these are the three areas that I want to get done this week. Here's how I'm breaking them down. And is that still the practice for you? Yeah, look, it's a great question. I think we went through this, as you say, sort of a reminders and I'll give the, the cliff notes version. If there's anybody on the phone here named cliff, they'll <laughs> be known that I'm speaking right to them. Simple version of the story back early 60s when President Kennedy, right, was the man behind the steering wheel of the United States, made the bold statement is we're going to put a man on the moon. And summarizing this, the people in his administration, the kitchen cabinet, the folks that surrounded him, did everything they could to prevent that statement from being made. Can't say this to the United States. You certainly can't make this statement in front of the world. We'll look foolish. There was somebody who got his attention who came in from Europe, and I can give more detail at a different time on a different program, who got in front of President Kennedy and said, Mr. President, let me offer something that'll make a difference for you. He said, if you stand on earth and look towards the moon, 
You won't be able to get there. Because what lies in front of you are, are the obstacles and the difficulties, and it's never been done before, and what other people are saying, and the image, and the perspective, and what people will think of me, and what if we fail? For the most part, the people who were advising him could only advise him based on their history. They had never done it before. There was no frame of reference. So what he said is you go out to the moon, much like, say, we're asking your listeners of who they intend to be. So if they took their own moonshot and they stood out January 1st or 12 months from now, and they stood in that shoes and designed that avatar, whoever he or she wants to be, right, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, there's probably not a hard right-hand turn. There's probably some shifts along the way. But even so, if I stand in those shoes a year from now or eight months from now, and I'm really clear of who I am, what I stand for, and it's like the scenes in a movie, and I look backwards, there are no obstacles. Therefore, I need to reverse engineer to back to today. So if that's the person I need to be, much like the president had to ask, hey, I'm on the moon. How did I get here? Right? There is no atmosphere. I can't parachute in. There's no food. I'll need to bring food. I probably want to fly home after I get here right? and work all the way back. Well, what are the very first things I need to do today? So when I think of those three things I leaned into that I'm focusing on, right? it's part of every Sunday. What's the week ahead? Right? Don't start the week until it's finished on paper. And look at that every day. And how am I putting into my schedule the small steps that are going to lead up to the gradually then suddenly arrival? I know that if I ask you or you ask me or we ask many people, probably same for your listeners, hey, can you and I get together next week, have a chat, have a Zoom? Most people are going to have to look at their calendar. So if I put it in my calendar, if I put it in my schedule, the statistical probability of that happening is magnified by some 10x. Right, So it's, I break that elephant into small pieces, but like putting a man on the moon, any place we want to go is now, for the most part, trainable. Everything's trainable. Most likely anything I'm going into, you're going into, or going after, or your listeners or viewers are, probably someone has done something quite similar before. Right, Therefore, it's trainable. What do I need to learn? I think you touched on something really interesting, which is the daily activities. And so often we're looking for what you touched on earlier, which is kind of red pill, blue pill, and the magic fairy dust that's going to get us there. Um, do you mind touching on um, just one of the things that I've always known about you is you've never shied away from doing the work that actually moves the needle. Um, and by that, I mean, uh, it's the stuff that's maybe not always glamorous. Um, do you still always put yourself in the fire um, in terms of picking up the phone? I'm making contacts. It's not the most glamorous thing to be doing, but it's what seems to move the needle. Um, how do you how do you keep yourself? The question I'm getting to is how do you keep yourself always um, keeping the edge sharp, um, working towards a place where you don't get high and comfortable in the position that you're at? Um, and how do you do that in the position you're at today? Yeah, thank you, man. I haven't met anybody that, when you stop and ask them about it, doesn't have an idealized version of themselves or their life. Some give up. <laughs> Some of us play not to lose as opposed to play to win. And it's not because we don't want to. Uh, so what's important for me is recognizing, coming back to the gift perspective, is a recognition of, look, I, at one point years back, I was shot to earth out of the mothership, right? Upon assembly, 
right? Um, the pieces are put together. A gift or two is put inside of me. I'm sent down to earth, sprung out onto the planet, right? And like most of us, right, we get the test before we ever get the lesson plan. Life slaps us around a bit. But part of that is to learn who we are. I believe that we're supposed to leave the place better than we found it. I believe we have a chance to make impact. I believe that that leads to a fulfilling life. I think it's over time I've learned myself, it's more important to be than to do. And in my doing in the past to try to light up the scoreboard with trophies, yes, stuff makes life a little bit more pleasant. I won't deny that. And yet it's like putting logs on a fire. The more stuff I have to accumulate, those logs go out. I have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, right? So who I become is a fire that I can keep lit by having a compelling vision of who I want to become, who needs me to become it, right? When my children will bring me on stage and announce me, I don't want them to say, my papa sold lots of widgets. What I hope they'll say is he helped people reach inside and pull their gifts out and have the courage to step forward and use them. That inspires me. Will I get there? I don't know that we ever get there. But man, that's a heck of a climb. And so if I have that compelling vision of what I want to see and why I want to do it and who's counting on me to do it, then I know today I need to end the day and keep score. How did I do today? I know I need to visit what I've got on the calendar tomorrow and make sure that I've got in there the small steps that'll make a big difference. I need to know that tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow evening, I'll double check that. I need Sunday to make sure. So it's routine. And to the, to the degree it can even be considered boring, routine will set you free. There are certain non-negotiables of a morning routine, an evening routine, that I know if I stay on track, I increase the likelihood of getting where I'm hoping to go. If I phone it in and say, I've got this stuff figured out, I can know how to do this stuff, the wheels come off. And I've been doing it a long time, right? So the rituals, right, uh, are everything. And if I know, maybe finally... Jason's the distinction for, for me between motivation and inspiration to me, motivation is a fire that just needs to be fed time and time and time and time. It's, it, it, it's laborious it's motivate somebody else or motivate myself. But if I'm inspired, if I peel that back and, and look at sort of the etymology of words, right? Inspired is in spirit. Spirit is the movement of energy. If my energy is aligned with where I'm trying to lead my life. You don't have to get me out of bed in the morning. I mean, that fuel is lit, because, but it's not lit because I want to do this for me. I've, I've pursued that trophy case. Right? <laughs> it's because of the impact, right? What can I do for somebody else? Even if I never find out who they are, somewhere I believe I'll have lit a torch or hand someone a candle for them to light a torch for somebody else. So it's that compelling future, right? That makes me say the routine will set me free. You don't have to get too much into detail here, but I'm curious, would you mind sharing anything that is on that morning and evening like I must do? It's become very, um, you know, much talked about of morning routines and evening routines, but are there things in there that you're like, these must happen and ones that you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, sure. And everybody will have their own. I'll just give you my version and, and you can use it like Mr. Potato Head, right? You can move the body parts or the head parts, whatever those things are around. Yeah, for me, you know, I'll, I'll peel it back to Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. I'm looking at the prior week. Did I do what I said I was going to do? What worked? What didn't work? What got in the way? And I've got a scoring system on it, right? And then I look at what interfered. Okay, I'll take that into the coming week, right? And that's matched up as I make those weekly 
schedules, I've got sitting beside me, what's that compelling future? What am I trying to get to? What's it look like, feel like, smell like, taste like, right? What's the house I'm living in? What am I doing with my children? What's that experience like? And that's that compelling vision that I'll then break it into, okay, well, if I'm going to step into that direction, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, these are the incremental small steps that are going to lead me in that direction. So that's Sunday. Monday morning, I wake up. And before I get to that, and I leave my phone on airplane mode, I will get into my room where that will start with journaling based on what the subconscious has done for me the night before, and then lead to a meditation session or vice versa. And that meditation some days could be five minutes based on the day, or it could be 30 minutes or longer, right? Just depends how the day's ebb and flow, but that's a non-negotiable. I have reading material. So I'm, I, I'm a big believer, I have two books, one for reading and one for writing in all the time, right? So that's something to nourish me to make sure I'm staying sharp, right? So the books are there. And that's before then I'll go back to the calendar and say, okay, here's what I have lined up for today. And then I'll go to the phone and I'll see what has shown up to try to knock me off that plan. <laughs> but if I've laid out the week properly and as the stuff arrives, I can move the blocks around like Legos as they come up and just pivot if I stay conscious to it. And then maybe along that, right, there's the exercise that has to happen during the day, right? The check-in with the family has to happen during the day. And those things are in the schedule, right? It's not, oh, yeah, what do I need to do today? And at the end of the day, one of the things that's easy to blow off but is vital for this part for me is to take 15 minutes and recap the day. Did I do what I said I was going to do? Did I meet my intentions? What showed up? What surprised me? How did I, you know, did I nail this? Where did I blow it? <laughs> right? What would I like to do over? Right? What surprise came up? Sort of recalibrate, and then I'll look at tomorrow and the next couple of days, move those pieces around, and then begin the cycle again the next day. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, as we're winding down here, uh, I know you've gotten two books, maybe third on the way here, workbook as well, um, called Unopened Gifts. Um, I know a lot of viewers would love to, if you can kind of give a quick snapshot and then where they can kind of find your material, because I'd encourage everyone to take some time to really dive in. Um, it is a lifetime of work that you've put out. There's so many free resources. So where can they kind of get into your content and uh, what you've created or your, your space in your world. That's what we call regifting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, I'll tell you about, well, first I'll say in, if anybody's in, interested in, you know, hearing more, learning more, seeing more website can be accessed two ways. My full name, James McPartland. I imagine that's going to be somewhere in one of your links yep. or access performance name of a business I have either way. It'll get you in. Unopened Gifts is, is in there. So the, the Unopened Gifts, the intention around that book was to write a story. And I was told, look, the first book that you write will be probably about something you know really well. That book is uh, loosely associated, some would say tightly associated with my life, my life story. And the intention is to have a series of these Unopened Gifts books where you follow this character who's the CEO of this bicycle business through his journey of growth and development leading a company and how he learns to lead himself, how he saw people where he looked for fault as opposed to looking for what people were doing well, what he had to learn about himself forever in pursuit of the brass ring. He almost loses everything he has because he doesn't recognize what he has. He's not looking for that. He's looking for what's wrong or what's missing. 
So you meet these characters and many people tell me they see variations of themselves or people in their life through that story. So the second book sort of is the continued journey of what's he continued to learn and what about his family and his children are now growing and the CFO is doing this. What happened to the salesperson, right? And the person that went out on their own. Third book will sort of continue to evolve the characters. Yeah, so there's some, some other books in the work. And, um, you know, I had to get over that mental monster of who are you to write a book? Well, I guess I'm just me. <laughs> I'm going to go for it. That's something I want to leave for my children, right? So go into the website. You can find out more about that. We've got a ton of articles on there. There's videos on there. There's online content that we've got there. It'll tell you more stories about it. I'll answer any questions. And I'd also offer, we, I write this weekly blog where uh, I put it on myself to create a quote that I think is appropriate for um, the time that we're in, whatever time that may be, and then expand a little bit on it. Some folks like to write responses to that or what they get out of it and we get an interaction going. Uh, but I very much would welcome anybody to come in lot to learn and hey tell us what you got going we'll see if we can do something to help you well my friend i i am incredibly grateful for the time that you spent with us today um it's been such an amazing journey to be a part of your world and uh to have someone that's poured uh so much time energy uh love and respect um into my life and helped me realize a lot of areas that i think i would have been very blind maybe missed on my journey had it not been for you so um changed my life and I'm incredibly grateful for the time and uh, you sharing it uh, with so many others. So guys, if you are listening in, um, please do me a favor, visit um, and dive into uh, J-Mac's work. He's got incredible resources and I hope you guys get a chance to, uh, to interact with him. Jason, it's been an honor, been a pleasure, man. And um, look, you asked and the automatic answer is yes. I have a lot of time for a guy like you who has a willingness to want to to better himself, to have an impact on his community, to lead a family. Uh, and what you didn't tell your listeners, and I'll say, is the best types of relationships this way where both people learn. I've learned from you, my friend. That's why I was really happy to, to jump on, man. You've given me a lot of gifts. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Okay, man. Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you want to further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you want to find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good, or you can search the hashtag BOFG. Again, that's hashtag BOFG. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going, and it's how I craft the content that's better going to impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.